What's up, y'all? It's your host, JP Flores, and welcome to the fourth episode of From Where Does It Stem? On this week's episode, I got the opportunity to interview Manuel Marqueda III. He's an agricultural engineer from Maspate Island in the Philippines. He came over to the U.S. to attend graduate school at the University of Washington in 2018. And I was pleasantly surprised when I started the Zoom call to see that he was Filipino too. Enjoy! Yeah, so I am Manuel Marqueda III. I'm the third Manuel of the family. I'm from the Philippines. I was, uh, I, I was born in the Philippines. I grew up there as well. And I did my undergrad there. I took agricultural engineering for my undergrad. And then I worked as a researcher for quite a while. I first did the supply chain of Philippine mangoes for three years. And then after that, I worked in the International Rice Research Institute. I did crop modeling there. I do simulations about... I kind of plant rice in the computer. And then it opened an opportunity for me to um, do masters in UW where I also did crop modeling. But this time I did my research in Cambodia. I looked at how dams in uh, Southeast Asia, specifically the Mekong River, is affecting the rice production in a lake, which is a catchment basin where most of the rice production are, are happening. So kind of look at the interaction between the hydrology, the management practices, and the climate change, how it's affecting the the Cambodian um, rice production. And um, yeah, I just finished my master's last August, trying to find a job at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Congrats. Congrats on finishing. (laughs) Where did you uh, complete your undergrad? I I did my undergrad in the University of the Philippines in Los Baños. It's the, we call ourselves the premier university, agricultural university in the Philippines. We're actually number one in agriculture in the Philippines. And then a fun fact. A fun fact. Aside from finishing my thesis during the pandemic, I also um, learned how to bake and getting better at it during, <laughs> during the pandemic. And another fun fact, um, I have a small coffee shop in the Philippines. I put it up with my friends before I left. Very cool. Yeah. So what was your, if you don't mind me asking, what was your reason to pursue your master's in Washington. Okay. That's a good question. I never wanted to study in the U.S. I've been eyeing doing grad school somewhere else like in Europe because application is easier compared to the U.S. because in the U.S. you have GRE, you have the English exam and it's it's expensive, pretty expensive. And I just don't want to go through the all, aside from expensive, I don't want to go through the reviewing and all that stuff. But then um, my my former boss has a good network and she got an email from from my advisor now that um, they are looking for um, a researcher who can do um, research in Cambodia. They want a master's student who can do research in Cambodia. And my former boss realized that, oh, this is you, fits what you're doing. And she knows that I'm looking for opportunities for grad school. And in that re- in, in the research institute where I used to work, it's very much encouraged to do um, post-grad and stuff. And so, yeah, I, I took my chance and they liked me. UW is the only 
university I applied to. I did not intend to apply to any universities. I just took my chance because there is funding. If there's no funding, I wouldn't study here. <laughs> the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I came here. Um, they, they paid for my tuition and I get a, um, a, a stipend every month. So that's, cool. that's a good deal. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so uh, what were your upbringings like in the Philippines and up to now? And how has this like shaped you into the person you are today? Yeah, so I am an accidental scientist. I didn't really want to do science. I think I've, I've been into arts and social sciences, that kind of stuff. When I was a kid, I, I grew up in a, in a coastal area. So it's like 200 meters from my, uh, my house is the shoreline. So I, I remember when I was a kid, after school, I would go to, to the shore and to the sea and, and play with my friends. And I did not grow up in a well-off family. I mean, my parents can support me, but not so much that they can send me to a big school in college, which actually became like an issue before I went to the university. So we're, we're, we're an okay family. I grew up, my, my parents were supportive. I think I was a, a good student. I get honors and stuff. So I, people are supportive about me as well. And so I passed the entrance exam to the University of the Philippines. I grew up in an island called Masbate. It's super far from Manila. During that time, the mode of transportation is just bus. And you have to take, you have to travel the bus and boat for like 17 hours total. My parents were not very, they don't like the idea of me being far. And we don't have a lot of money to, to support me for college. And so some family members, uh, some relatives helped out. That's why I was able to, they were able to send me to college. But that's not without some big arguments with my father, especially because he said they have good intentions. They don't want me to like be suffering because I have financial issues and stuff like that. So they're just looking after me. And, but I pushed and I said, it's, it's a big opportunity. It's the big, it's the highest, it's the most esteemed university in the Philippines. So, and then um, deciding on what major and what course to take. It's another conversation. Um, I wanted to, ideally, I want to be an architect. I want to be either an architect or I want to do visual art. But I know that if I do architecture, it's going to be expensive. I do fine arts. I'm not exceptional enough. <laughs> like in the Philippines, art is for the, for the rich people. Really? If, yeah, because if you want to make a living, you can make a living through art. I know I'm a good student. So I tried doing, I, I said, maybe I can do agriculture. And one of our relatives said, you're just doing agriculture? Really agriculture? They don't look at it. Because if, if you're doing agriculture, you're, you're a farmer. And if you're a farmer in the Philippines, it's, it's not, you're not going to get rich as well. But then I said that Philippines is an agricultural country and I want to make a difference. So I took agricultural engineering because I want to graduate with like a title. I can be a doctor. I can be an architect. So I can be an engineer, an agricultural engineer. And so, yeah, um, it was a struggle because I can do science, I can do math, but I'm not very, I realized that I'm not very good at it. I can, I'm not very good at math. So I struggled, I failed some subjects, but I was able to pull through. I finished the degree, but I did not take my licensure exam. I don't need to. And so the dream of having a title in my name, like an engineer, engineer, Manuel Marqueda the third is it didn't happen and that I don't intend to be an engineer or be, be called by any title anymore at this point. And then so science became 
a means to an end. I can make money out of science. I can work. It pays the bill. But more and more, I realized that I want to be into, um, I want to do culinary school. Oh. But it's super expensive still in the Philippines. So I said, I told myself, I will just save up and just study I, culinary school when I have the money. But then I got so into science, I enjoyed science. I made publications in the, uh, along the way. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to stay in science. And I did not intend to do post-grad before. But then um, I worked in the International Rice Research Institute. It's, the, yeah, it's, it's also the biggest institute in terms of rice research. Cool. And I got inspired working with people from different, scientists from different countries. We get scientists from Africa, from the U.S., from Southeast Asia, from India. And so it's very inspiring. The environment is very vibrant and you don't have a choice but to be inspired and, and do science as well. And so I wanted to do post-grad because I want to, I dream of having my research, leading my, uh, my own research. Because you, if you're just like an undergrad graduate, they won't entrust you with big projects. You have, to have, you have to be a doctor at least to do that. And I wanted to do that. And so I, I thought, okay, I came here actually. I came here with the thought that I can do straight PhD. And that's also a conversation that I have with my PI, my academic advisor, that we can fund you for PhD if you want to. But then after a year, I realized, uh, I, I think I'm just good with master's. I don't need to do PhD. It's post-grad is not for me. It's a lot of work. I have respect for people doing PhD because it's a lot. All my insecurities came out when I came to the U.S. And it sort of compounded. Like I feel like I'm in a big pond and I'm, very, I'm a small fish. Yeah. I used to be very outgoing, very outspoken. But when I arrived here, I cowered and I would just sit on the side and just listen to people can voice my opinion because I'm insecure with my accent. I'm insecure with, with um, not being able to express properly because I have to still translate things in my head, right. you know? <laughs> so all those things. And so, yeah, I like science. I, I want to keep doing science, but I don't want to do anything further than masters, I think. Yeah. So where did, where did the pressure of like, wanting to be an engineer come from though exactly was it was it like your parents and you or was it you trying to make a name for yourself and being like no i'm too good for that i want a title kind of thing like where did where did that pressure come from i think i'm i'm a little i think it's something that i put on myself okay because i think people around me have expectations of me like they i would hear my aunties and my uncle saying oh you're a bright boy you should you, you can do more and I don't want to disappoint them. And also, like, I thought about, yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm a good student. I'm a, I'm a bright student. There should be a title in my name once I graduate. Right. So. And that transition from the Philippines to America, that must have been so hard, right? Like, you were talking about your insecurities and all that. What, what do you think triggered that? Because, like, I have a lot of friends that, that are international as well, and they say the same thing. You know, they feel like they yeah. can't be themselves. Um, and a lot of that is their accent, the language barrier, things like that. But at my school, I feel like we're really, really inclusive. But just mm -hmm. generally, like, what do you think those came from? It's cultural. I would say cultural. Honestly, um, I, right now, 
I would be more conscious with my grammar when I'm talking to a fellow Filipino who grew up in the Philippines. <laughs> right, right. We are very hard on ourselves. Um, the culture is there that you have to be, you have to be good in English. And we look at Americans very highly. And we want to be like Americans to listen to. You probably would know that. We listen to the same music that Americans are listening. We try to be like Americans. Yeah. And because I thought that I have a good handle with the language, with English language, I did well in my English exam. But then being surrounded by people who speak the language. And, you know, just in my first few weeks here, I would order, for example, in a, in, in a restaurant and they don't understand my accent. And I have to repeat what I'm saying three times. I got tired of that. And I, I thought about, ah, they don't understand me. And I feel really bad. And sometimes when they talk fast and when Americans talk fast, I would have a hard time understanding it. And I need to process the context before I can respond. So I, there's a lag time. So things like that. Okay. Um, and I think, yeah, it's, it's cultural and it's also personal in terms of me. I want to I wanna be faultless. I want to be perfect. I, I'm trying to make a name for myself. I, I'm trying to prove myself that I, am, I deserve to be here. That I um, that I have what it takes. So, so what were your best like support systems growing up? Like, what did you do to kind of support yourself? You know, what, what was your what were your communities like? Like, how did you find community in the U.S.? Okay. Uh, both, both, <laughs> uh, both. Oh, so I'm very extroverted in the Philippines. Gotcha. I have a lot of friends. Like, <laughs> think about um, every night I would go out with different kinds of people because I just have a lot of circles. Right. So um, I'm very social. And um, I have a good support system. I have my family. We're not, I'm not very close with my mom and my sister. And my, my, my dad passed away four years ago. Um, so I'm not very close to them because there's another story um, behind it. But we are a lot of drama in the family. We're just like cool people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't say I love you, but we, we support each other. But yeah, I have a very um, good support system in the Philippines. Going to the U.S. is difficult, uh, especially in Seattle. They have this, what they call Seattle freeze. I don't know if you heard about that. I have not. No. Seattle freeze is that they say that Seattleites are a loop. <laughs> they, they, they are cold people. It okay. takes time for you to warm up with people and to find a community. And I experienced that. I thought it's just like a myth, mm -hmm. but then I experienced that myself. But I was able to find communities. It's funny because I tried finding a gym and I want to do high intensity training. And I found a boot camp near my place. And it's usually the moms and the dads who go out early in the morning who um <laughs> who goes to the gym and I ended up being friends with them. They gave me a, a send off party before I left um Seattle. By the way, I'm in San Diego now. Oh gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So one thing that I appreciated in the US is people don't care too much. It's something there's two sides to that. I got so used to people caring so much in the Philippines that you feel like I want some privacy. I want to be a little anonymous and I got that here in the US. Mm -hmm. they, they don't care and I think I like that. The people are not nosy, just doing, <laughs> doing their own business. 
And my relationships are more meaningful. So I connected with people whom I think are of the same interest as mine. And I also found a partner here. And I never, for, for a long time, I, don't, I didn't have a partner in the Philippines. And there's, it's another thing that I want to talk about. And this is, I'm not open about this. I have a boyfriend. It's awesome. And people, people in my family don't know about it. Okay. Only few people in my, um, this is really super personal. <laughs> I felt, let, let me know if you so don't. When, when it. when, it's okay. It's okay, though. Okay. I think it's, uh, I want to uh, um, talk about it because I think it's part of my journey as a scientist or as a person in the U.S. or being in, a, in science and the struggles that comes with it. Um, yeah, so I found somebody here. So he is my support person. He's been very, um, in those times when I doubted myself because why am I here? When am I, why am I doing this? I don't know what's happening. Nothing good is coming out of my results and things like that. He believes in me when I don't believe in myself anymore. And yeah, how that's my support system and my community that I found. Thank you so much for sharing that and just being transparent and vulnerable. I really appreciate that. I feel like that's something like, for example, my family, they are new to like the queer community, right? Like, cause they're Filipino, they're traditional Filipino and they're like, oh, like what is going on? You know what I mean? Yeah. But growing up in LA, like going to Occidental College, it's just full inclusive and it's just amazing. Right. So, and, and seeing your eyes light up and seeing the way you smile when you talk about them is like so, so refreshing because it just makes me think like, I don't know why people with these identities, I don't know why they are scared, you know, but I, and like in the back of my mind, I know it's because traditionally, yeah. you know, it's hard, but I'm really yeah. happy that like uh, our, our field uh, as scientists, this is more of like a normal thing now. I agree with you that it's more accepted. I mean, respect is not a problem um, here if you are, if you identify to a certain demographics, if, if you identify as part of LGBTQ. One of the reasons why I was afraid coming to come out in the Philippines is the fear of being not respected. Right. Because, um, or maybe it's just me who thinks like that because of how I, of the community I grew up in. The gays in my community are usually those who, who cut hairs, they're in the beauty parlors, and they're laughed at when they want something funny or something to laugh about. They would go to these people, and they would laugh at these people. And I, wanna, I don't want to be laughed at. I want to be respected, because I know that I, I have, that I'm a smart person, and I am capable of doing good stuff yeah that matter yeah i think that just like it's so annoying when people don't talk about it though you know what i mean like in order for us to destigmatize what it's like to be you know gay in science you know I, I feel like these conversations need to be had so that we can work on fully including people mm -hmm. does that make sense like that respect yeah yeah like like i feel like a lot of um schools are like oh uh, you're gay, come in. You know what I mean? But I feel like a lot of people don't have that support, you mm -hmm. know? And I feel like we need to work towards that. And we will talk about that in a little bit, but I have a question mm -hmm. right before. Um, so with all of your experiences, 
what would you tell your younger self to kind of like motivate yourself and, and kind of push you through, through all these times, you know, the language barrier uh, coming out, like what, what did you do? What would you tell yourself? Just be honest. Yeah. I think honesty is I haven't been honest in a while. I've been hiding. I was, I, yeah, two things probably be honest and don't be afraid to be honest. Don't be afraid to be you. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, I think it, it, I would have been more creative, I think, or I, I know I'm creative, but I could have, I could have offered more things if I was true to myself. Right. And that's what we want in science, right? Like, I feel like all the different experiences, all the perspectives, we need that if we want to like break through, you know what I mean? You talked a little bit about the feeling of like isolation, right? Mm Mm-hmm. How do you think we can better shape, I guess, the education system to like provide full inclusion for people that may feel isolated? So it's, it's a tricky question because um, sometimes isolation is something internal. So, for example, I would say that the support that I got here in the U.S. is I have more resources here compared to when I was in the Philippines. I know people would still complain about the resources here is still not enough. But I think for me coming from a less supportive background and coming here, I thought it's really supportive. We have resources. Counseling is free. And there's a lot of um, counselors that you can talk to. And that's very helpful to me. I think it's more than the system in place. I think it should also, we should teach it to to the kids. We should teach kids acceptance because it should start there. When kids grow up to be accepting people, people who will feel isolated will be, um, I mean, if kids learn inclusivity at an early age, they would practice empathy when they grow up. They know empathy when they grow up. They would know people who are um, disenfranchised. And I can say that because I think my empathy came from when I was a kid because I experienced it myself. And now I don't want for other kids to experience what I have experienced. Yeah, definitely. So do you have any advice for those that already feel like they, like they don't belong in a place or maybe advice for those that share your similar identities? Like what, what are you supposed to tell them when they're say my age? right when we're already dealing with it like would you have any words of advice from your perspective find your community there are in this world there are people who will reject you mm-hmm. but there are also a lot of people who will love you for who you are for what you are and find those communities yeah. um and strengthen yourself with those communities support those communities reach out to others once you get your community if you have your community so let's say you were the dean of University of Washington, right? Like you were the president mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Can you think of any like formal like initiatives or like formal things you would change to kind of foster that kind of environment? I'm curious because um, we're trying mm-hmm. to do that in our college and um, mm-hmm. we're starting outreach programs or we're trying to start them. Um, mm-hmm. We are reaching out to more people, trying to make our community stronger. So if you were mm-hmm. president, like, do you have any ideas on how maybe we can do that? I think recognizing thing that there are people in the community who are 
like queer who yeah. are the, the LGBTQ community, there are international students. Giving them um, more voice, I think, giving them, encourage them to speak up. Because these people has a lot of things to say. Sometimes they just don't think they can say it because no one asks them to say what it, it's, it's like for Asian people, we need to be pushed a little bit yeah. for us to participate. And I think a little nudge would help incur, I mean, recognizing that they're there and giving them voice, give programs wherein give, give spaces where they can say and voice out what they want to say. So um, what did you use to kind of like motivate yourself on the days when maybe you don't feel like you have your community near you? Like, what did you say to yourself? Like, how did you get yourself through all of this? I, I tried to um, look back at my previous achievements, especially when I thought I don't want to finish my master's anymore. And no one was saying that I'm doing terrible in my research. I'm actually doing good. In those days, I think about just the courage of moving here in the U.S. I know nobody when I came here. I don't have relatives. I don't have friends. But then I pushed through and I'm already here and I have to keep on doing what I'm doing. So just more of talking to myself that um, I've, I have achievements to look back to and um, to keep me going. That's awesome. <laughs> You make me cry, man. <laughs> okay. Um, so how does it feel to be at this point in your career now? Like, I feel like you've accomplished a lot, right? Like, how does it feel to be at this point in your career? Like, are you, I know you're looking for jobs right now, but like, you made it, you know, like you have your degree, you're an engineer, like, how's that? I have a newfound confidence um, that I actually made it. I, in the most terrible of times, I finished my thesis in the couch. I've been sitting, like, honestly, I am more concerned about finishing my thesis than the pandemic. <laughs> because that was the time when I starting to, the, the, the lockdown started when I was starting to analyze my data. So I'm more focused there. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, ah. Um, and then you, you hear news from, from your family and the terrible things that are happening in my country. So I have, to, I have to navigate through all those difficulties. And having and finishing what I've finished, it's not very typical of me to say that I'm proud of myself. But I think I'm proud of myself. I learned that through... That's another thing that I want to say that fortunate to have um, resources, at least in the university, I tried utilizing the resources that I have. There are like telemedicine stuff, like therapy. Yeah. I did therapy about boosting my confidence, about navigating through imposter syndrome and things like that. And it really helped me. Like if you were talking to me like three months ago, I would won't have this kind of confidence like I thought that my world is going to end all my dreams are going to crumble and no one's believing me one thing that made me proud uh, when I defended my thesis I defended it through zoom 
and he introduced me first and I'm always afraid of how he looks at me. I feel like I'm super afraid of him. I'm afraid of authorities. I'm, a, I'm super intimidated with people who are accomplished and who are super smart and he is super smart. I look up to him and he described me in three words. He said that I am hardworking, I am persistent, and I am modest. I realized that, yeah, am I that person? And I haven't believed that in a while. Like, I never realized that in a while. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think it, it gave me a brand new confidence that if I'm going to apply for a job and people will interview me for a job, I will be more, I can talk to them more about my accomplishments yeah. and not, not fearful of what I can't do. So I'm guessing that you're doing great right now. Your mental health is okay and your family is doing well? Or? I think mental health wise, I am doing better. I'm getting, doing better. Yeah. yeah, getting there. My family is doing well as well. But I think my next step is to let them know about, to be honest with them about my sexuality. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So is it weird being in America and having all of these wild things going on in the Philippines? Like, like, is it weird talking to your friends about it? Because for me, I, I try to be a global citizen and I try to mm -hmm. pay attention to things around the world, but sometimes mm -hmm. I feel like people just have no idea, you know? Mm -hmm. so, so how are you like dealing with that? I am very socially aware. I've always been socially aware. I have to deactivate my social media when I was writing my thesis uh -huh. because there's a lot of problems in my country right now. Yeah. And it makes me really stressful and it makes me feel bad as well having friends who still supports the government and still defends the government. So it's hard. I think it's, I feel bad sometimes when I feel better that I'm here <laughs> and I'm not there. Experience, and that's your experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel bad sometimes that because I don't want to be in the Philippines at this, yeah, oh. at this season. I mean, at this time, it's it's difficult, and I know the political situation in the U.S. is also not I not hate. that good, right? I hate. But it. I felt like I'm <laughs> I'm less I'm less emotionally invested here right. of the political situation here than the political situation in in the Philippines. Yeah. yeah. So what, what's your plan? Are you planning on going back eventually and living in the Philippines again? Or are you um, thinking about staying here? I can work here under student visa for up to three years. Mm -hmm. I want to maximize that. I want to learn things here in the U.S. But I'm, I'm also open to staying here for long. And your partner is probably here too, right? Is that? Is yeah, that yeah. Yeah. And I think actually that changes a lot of things. Like, I want to work, like, I want to work in Europe. I want to work in the food and agricultural organization. The main office is in Rome. But now I, I have simple dreams now. <laughs> <laughs> You're a simple man now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, what, I think once you find your, your center, once you find your contentment, you're, you're good. Like, honestly, the ideal situation for me is to start a restaurant here in the U a Filipino uh -huh. restaurant here in the U.S. or go back to the Philippines, start 
my own restaurant. That's why I keep on saying that science is just a means to to an end for me because ultimately I want us. I am passionate about food security. That's why I got into science. But I'm also passionate in like literally feeding people. Yeah, <laughs> that's our culture. Like we just love sharing our food and eating food. Right. So, like you yeah. go, you go to a Filipino house and they would ask the oh, first thing they would ask you is kumain ka na ba? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Have you eaten? Yeah. And, and you and you have to eat, otherwise it's rude. <laughs> Exactly. And they give you food before you leave too. Yeah. Take it home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, that's that's awesome. But I think it's interesting that like not all scientists end up being in science. Right? Like everyone's path is different. Everyone has different passions. Science is just one step in the road. You know, and I think that's important for people to hear that like just because you love science, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to stay in science, right? Like for you, it's a means to an end. Right? Yeah, that's awesome. What kind of uh, yeah. restaurant? What would actually? What kind of restaurant are you trying to make, and what would you name it? <laughs> um, I want. I, I I get super inspired by all these things that I see in. I don't know if you know Chef's Table on oh, Netflix. Yeah. 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 So I watch that a lot. Um, I want a restaurant that would pay homage to the dishes that I grew up in. I want it to be a, a Filipino restaurant, but I want to make it unique. I live by the principle, do not waste your food. So, so I'm thinking of having a specialty, the next food prepared this day that wasn't consumed or wasn't... Like leftovers, um, kind of. the, the leftovers, yeah. I want to make a dish out of the leftover that's the special for the next day. Like I recycled food and it's going to be a surprise every day because you don't know what's, what's going to be the leftover and you transform it to something and it's like half the price. Yeah. But then it's a glorified leftover food. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> so would you, would you do that in, in uh, Seattle or in San Diego, do you think? I don't know. Um, Wherever I will end up living, I want to start a restaurant. I want to start with um, weekend markets. That's that, that's my plan. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Learn about the business from weekend markets and then go from there. Have you been to LA at all? No. You should. I, you... I passed by L LA, but I haven't okay. really explored LA. If yet. you if you come, bring your partner, and I'll take. I'll show you guys around. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know. <laughs> I, I grew up here, so I know the I know the area pretty well. Okay. Watermelon sugar high, watermelon sugar high, watermelon sugar strawberries on a summer evening. Baby, you're the end of June. I want your belly and that summer feeling. I have some fun questions for you. Okay. Is there anything else you want to yeah. talk about actually before? Anything you um, want to hear? I think. I'm good. You think you're good? If, if something comes so up, far, I will. I will let you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everything you've said so far is like, like hit me. You know? Oh. Just like, oh my gosh! Like, I just wish. Appreciate that. Yeah, a lot. Of, like, the thing is, is a lot of people. Like, I already did two episodes, and a lot of people have been like, JP, these stories just empower me. You know, they inspire mm -hmm. me to be a scientist. They inspire me to pursue what I actually want to do. You know, because. Again, my goal is to capture a lot of different stories, right? Mm -hmm. In the hopes that like someone will be like, oh, wow, that's a lot like me. You know, mm -hmm. I, I want 
now I know I can do what I want to do, right? So. Yeah, I think if there's something that I want to say is that because I never, I never appreciated myself in a while. I all I was always been hard with myself, but when I look back um, and look back at my journey, I came from a small island, and Masbate is one of the poorest provinces in the Philippines. I came from a from a poor province. I didn't come from a from a rich family. But then I was, and then I made it here in the U.S. Let me tell you, I was in New York last year. I was staring at the flat iron, the flat iron. And it's not even the best, like, it's not the, the, it's not the New York, New York. But I was just staring at the flat iron and I started dwelling up because I did not realize, I, I did not dream of, of being in the U.S., I know I'm going to visit the U.S. I know I can travel here. But just being in the soil, living in the soil, and just looking at the structure as like I already belong here and I'm not just a tourist, it was powerful. And it, I welled up because I look back at the small community where I grew up in. I still envy those people who are just contented of what they have every day, that they can have three meals every day. I still appreciate them, but I also, like how I wish that they could also experience what I experienced, if they could also dream bigger, um, like I dreamt. And if only their, the resources were given to them. I think I pushed through because they considered me a, a smart kid. But if you, come from a family whose parents ask you to still do work how can you study well and that's yeah and that's a privilege to be able to not think about what you will eat for the day it's a privilege and i think um every kid should appreciate should learn to appreciate that yeah it's it's it brings everything into perspective almost yeah you know and, as, and like, I'm, I was born here, you know, and, and I've never been to the Philippines, but I always hear stories about my, about my parents, how they came over. And I'm always like, man, I, I feel like I have it so much better, you know, like they kind of, they kind of helped me get to where I am right now, right? Like I wouldn't be talking mm-hmm. to you if it weren't for, you know, their journeys and their, their stories, right? Right. But no, yeah, I, I really appreciate that. Um, so anyways... <laughs> the fun part <laughs> the fun part okay so let's say you got your dream restaurant you did it yay mm-hmm. and yeah. it's grand opening right and mm-hmm. you and your partner are about to cut the ribbon right mm-hmm. what song are you playing to let everyone in one song <laughs> accidentally in love <laughs> accidentally in love <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> Accidentally in love. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you, I know that song because of Shrek. Because I'm like, yeah. that's the only reason why I know that. <laughs> okay. So next thing now. Mm-hmm. Your business was very successful. And mm-hmm. then you have like an idea one day. And you're like, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm going to turn my restaurant into a karaoke bar. Mm-hmm. What is the first song you're singing? 
Didn't we almost had it all? Very oh rich Houston. <laughs> You're so so fast. <laughs> Man, everyone else when I ask them that question, they're so slow, but you were just like, I know it. Filipino. But, I was gonna say well, it's because we're Filipino. <laughs> I was talking to someone else, another scientist, and they were like, yeah. I've never done karaoke. And my heart was like, what? <laughs> so fun. You need to try it. <laughs> yeah. They're saying, there's this scientist. I, I, I was in a group of scientists who were drinking. And he's, he's, he's Japanese. And he's, he was saying, in Japan, we, um, we, get drunk, we get drunk first before we sing. In the Philippines... You sing first before you get drunk. Then get drunk, yeah. <laughs> oh, 100%. Very accurate. No, and, and it's funny because uh, my school is mostly, uh, it's predominantly white, right? Yeah. But I showed them like the karaoke machine and stuff like that. And they're like, this is so fun. I'm like, this is all I do at Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I'll be singing Rihanna. I'll be singing <laughs> just everything, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Miley Cyrus is like, oh, it's so Of course. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then to end my final question on a, on a really good mm -hmm. note, uh, what is your proudest accomplishment or happiest memory? When we started the coffee shop, when, when we opened the coffee shop okay. for, um, for the public, I, I would always speak about that because I don't know, I don't know anything about business. Right. It was just a passion project. And it opened up a lot. It, it, it opened up a lot of realizations to me. I, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about um, relating to people, how much I care about um, people getting quality food, yeah. get, getting quality coffee for that matter. At, at what point in your life was this? Was this before? Like when, when this was... Before I came here, like 2017. Oh, that was really. I was, came here 2018. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So what what's it what is it called? It's called Siento, S I E N T O. And if you, if for your listeners, you can check us out. Um, it's we're on Instagram at Siento S I N T O underscore um, Cafe. And I'm gonna follow it right. Yeah, currently I, I've been making some live videos with people there um, because of the pandemic. We're trying to to keep the business alive. We want to to keep um, to have we want to keep it alive because we have staff yeah. who don't earn much, and we're not earning much. But if we get enough to pay them, we're happy. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that, that's always been my dream too, opening a coffee shop. So if you have any tips, man, let me know. <laughs> I'm yeah, still young, yeah. but like, I really want to do that. I think that'd be a really cool idea. Yeah. Seattle exposed me to the world <laughs> of um, small, small town coffee. Yeah. I really appreciate it. No, I, I love local coffee shops. Like, I will always support them. I think they're great. Yeah. The owners are always great too. So the, They really care there there every cup is personal yeah oh definitely yeah. yeah um but man that was my last question it was really nice meeting you i had a really fun time uh doing this 
it, it's so funny Being here my pleasure I, yeah yeah thank you but it, it's so funny because i'm doing these with a bunch of people i don't know you know i know <laughs> so it's like i don't know what to expect but so far everyone's been so like inspiring and motivational and and like i know i made this for like my listeners but it's like doing a lot for me too you know like i'm about to do graduate school and it's like your story just just hits me differently especially because you are filipino mm-hmm. you know so yeah i just want to say thank yeah. you and i really appreciate it thank you too i felt like i can share something and i'm also not doing a lot lately <laughs> so i'm 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 mostly free so yeah yeah um i think kind of get the the the, the motivation behind and i think i have a story to tell yeah oh your story was amazing and like and i always believe that everybody every every person is a story to tell yeah that's why i'm doing this you know um like i'm in college i'm the first one in my family and it's interesting because i'm learning more through people than i am in my classes you know and i yeah. feel like learning about the experience. and it's always usually that way <laughs> yeah, right? Like, you're having to, like, live through it rather than, like, being taught it. I know. I know. I didn't know that you're Filipino. I didn't know you were Filipino either. <laughs> I, was like, yeah. I was just like, all right, here we go. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. Um, I wish you the best of luck with your job. Uh, I'm really excited to see what you end up doing. Um, keep me in the loop, though, man. Like, yeah, yeah, I will do that. Thanks. And keep doing what you're doing. You're, you're, you're doing great stuff. It's, it's about time people would see scientists as more than people who have, who, who have their, their, lab their lab guns and stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Scientists are people yeah. too, you know? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. I'll let you have the rest of your night for fun, for whatever. Thank you so much for this time, for this opportunity too. Of course. To, to share my story. Thank you. It's really, really good. When that moon gets so big and bright, it's supernatural delight. Every border was dancing in the moonlight. Everybody here is Talking to Man was an absolute pleasure. Up next, we have Jasmine Graham of the Moat Laboratory and Aquarium in Sarasota, Florida. She's a marine biologist specializing in elasmobranch ecology and evolution. She's a part of the Marcy Lace Project, which opens doors for underrepresented minority students as well as Miss. Stay tuned.